Thanks, Rob. Thanks, Ben. Good morning. It's nice to see you, all of your faces. <laughs> it's good. So this morning, Paul has shared this last two weeks about vision, about our focus um, for 2022. And I wanted to talk to you a little bit more about vision and what vision is and, and why it's important for us in our lives. And um, I've just got a few, a few things here from the dictionary that, that tells us a little bit about vision. It says, vision provides a sense of purpose and direction. So vision, in essence, keeps us on track. Um, sometimes with restraint, and it keeps us one way. Sometimes with promises, and it enables us to go further. Vision helps define your short and long-term goals. Guiding your decisions you make along the way. Vision brings change. Vision provides a measuring tool and accountability. And you know, I thought, I'm talking about vision, I'm going to take my glasses off and I can't see any of you. And those of you who've got glasses, I'm sure you can take yours off and you're either not going to see something that's right in front of you or you're not going to see any... I might actually do that because I don't know whether you like it or not. And just keep talking. Vision is a strange thing. You know, we rely on so much for what we can see for, and for what we think is right. I remember as, um, in my late teens spending years not wearing my glasses hated my glasses, grew up with great big NHS things that are actually now quite trendy. <laughs> there you go. Um, and I spent years not wearing them. I, I, once I learned to drive, I wore them when I drove because that was sensible and safe. But otherwise, unless I went to the cinema, I would manage without. On our wedding day, I didn't wear my glasses because I didn't want my glasses on on my wedding day. Couldn't see anything. Wasn't quite sure I was marrying. Probably a good job. <laughs> Take about That's better. <laughs> Love you, really. Shame I'm, shame I'm not long-sighted as well. And then when you get close, I think you won't be able to see you either. <laughs> oh, just have a little chat to myself and Paul. <laughs> I should make myself laugh then, love. <laughs> Gonna get told off when I get home. But vision, vision's important. It's important you can see, yes? Listen to this. In 2011, whenever that was, this is the story of Pierre Peter Thomas, who's a Canadian. He was 63 years old at this point, and he had a fall. And because of his fall, he was taken to hospital. They did some tests on him, did whatever they did. And they said to him when he was there, did you realise that the condition that affects your eyes so that you are blind, and you have been blind since birth, is actually curable? And then they said this to him, would you like us to fix it? <laughs> no, thanks. <laughs> so he had surgery... And at 63 years old, after never being able to see, Pierre Peter Thomas suddenly had his sight. And this is what he says. I find everything beautiful. Faces, skin, 
I find it all beautiful. Thanks, love. You're looking good too. But then, this is what his sister said of him. He has had to learn everything over again like a child. Because how he faced and dealt with the world without sight was suddenly very different to how he faced and dealt with the world with sight. You know, the vision that we choose to look at the world with can come from anywhere. It can be a good vision, it can be a bad vision, it can be a misleading vision, it can be unbalanced, it can be freeing, it can be any of these things. But whatever vision you have chosen to look at the world with and to operate within the world with and to walk with is what has affected you and shaped you for all of your years until this point right now. And it could have been good and it could have been bad. And maybe sometimes you've swapped and put different things in place. So your vision has changed. You know, in Ephesians, Paul wrote to the church in Ephesus. And his prayer for the church was that they would know the importance of right vision. They would know the importance of how it was to be what it was to be led by God, to have God's vision, to see God's way so that they then operate in that way. They operate in God's way. Does that make sense? And this is his prayer for them in Ephesians 1, 17 to 19. And I'm reading from the ESV. That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of him, having the eyes of your heart enlightened, that you may know what it is to hope, what is the hope to which he has called you, what are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints, and what is the immeasurable greatness of his power towards us who believe according to the working of his great might? Danielle Strickland says this. The clearer your vision of Jesus, the truer the gospel you preach. The clearer the vision that we have of Jesus, whether that's for the first time today and you're seeing him and thinking, Hold on, is this Jesus real? Or whether it's again a refreshing of your vision of Jesus, then the truer the gospel we will preach, the truer, the truer we will be who Jesus wants us to be and is calling us to be. I don't know about you, but I want to see Jesus so clearly that therefore how I see myself, how I see those around me, how I operate and then act is reflective of who I see in him. So I've got a few points for you this morning that I think that Paul is saying to the church in Ephesus that we can take a hold of and look at how we see things, how we see Jesus, but also how we see this world and therefore how we operate in it. So the first one is this. At the beginning he says that you would have wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. I don't know about you, but having some wisdom is a good thing. 
having revelation and knowing who God is, is a good thing. Because if we know who God is, then we know who we are. If we know who God is, then we know what he's asking us to do and how he's asking us to behave. But we need the wisdom and the revelation so that we understand that. Because otherwise, we only see through our own eyes. We only see through our own experience. We only see through our own damage and our own emotions and feelings sometimes. But we need him to show us him. Wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. So this morning I'm saying to you, be connected. Connected, being yoked, being joined, being united. You know, I believe when we're not connected to God, then we're dissevered from the true life force. We're separate from him and from other people. We're uncoupled. And this causes us to judge people and ourselves. This causes us to isolate ourselves and isolate ourselves from others. This causes us to be lonely and also causes us to feel like we're not connected. There's a lack of information. I don't know how to live my life. I don't know what to do next because we're not connected to Jesus, who is the life source and the one who shows us where to go. So when we're not connected, we can almost feel lost. I don't know where to go. I don't know where to turn. So, so we turn to relationships to get our approval. So we turn to, to our work or some approval in some way. So we turn to getting a fix from something to make ourselves feel better and to think this is okay actually. This is the way I go. Or we connect ourselves with our peers and we just follow whatever they are doing because we don't actually know the right way to go and where God is calling us to. So we hold on to something or somebody else to help us go forward. And yet Jesus is saying this morning, be connected. There is wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him that can help you know the calling on your life and what he is taking you to. But you need to be connected. And if you're not connected, then you don't see clearly. You know, Paul was writing to a Gentile church, which basically means they weren't Jews. So they'd stepped outside... You have to understand, Jesus was a Jew. The Jews believed they were the chosen people, which they were. But suddenly, Jesus blew the world right open. So yes, the Jews are the chosen people, but actually, everyone's welcome now. That's a really hard concept if you're a Jew. It's really hard, because you're the chosen people, and actually, we don't like anybody else. And we judge everybody else, and we just, (laughs) they're a bit like that. But Jesus wanted his good news... And the gospel that he'd given, the fact that he died and rose again, he wanted everybody to know and everyone to benefit from it. So Paul was writing to a Gentile church in Ephesus. And there was a lot of teaching from the Jews that they were almost like the elite Christians. All feeding in that there's still things that you need to do. There's still ways that you need to operate that we as Jews have operated. So you actually, yeah, you can be a Christian, but you're not as good as us. Because we're a Jew Christian. So that makes us even better. You ever come across those Christians? They're not actually Jews, but they still think they're better than you. Maybe you're one of them. Let's deal with that today, eh? But he was writing to a church who, who maybe just didn't think they were quite good enough because of what went around, because of what was said. That they didn't think perhaps they'd got as much access Because they weren't a chosen person, well, they were accepted and allowed to come into the faith, but they weren't just just connected as much. You know, there may be reasons why you feel this morning, 
yeah, I can come to church, I know that, and, and I know God loves me, but I, I can't be as connected as that person who does that. And I'm not as connected as that person because you don't know the life I've lived or you don't know what I think sometimes. You don't know, you know, I don't, I don't put money in when they ask for money and I don't do these things, so I'm just not connected as much. It's nonsense. It is a lie because God loves you and wants to connect with you at the same level as the person who you think is much better than you. Be connected. God wants you to know this morning there is nothing that can separate you from him. No matter what, he loves you and wants a connection with you in a way that you've never known before. There is access. God wants to speak to you. All you need to do is take time out and allow him to. Take a seat and say, God, speak to me. And if you don't know Jesus this morning, you're sitting here thinking, what are you going on about? Take a seat this week. Say, God, if you're real, speak to me somehow. Send someone to talk to me. Because God wants to connect with you. And he wants you to know that he is real and that he loves you. And that there is no such thing as people who are better than you for him. For him, you are perfect. And he wants to grow you and change you and help you. But he loves you and wants you to connect. You know, it is so important to take that time for that wisdom and revelation, that knowledge of him, to sink in deep. It is so important. And God wants you to know that he loves you with such a reckless love. With a love that he sent his son to die on a cross. That is a reckless love. That is complete abandonment for how important you are to him. God is calling us. He's calling you and he's calling you to connect. He's calling you not just to connect to him, but to connect to his community. That's why church is so important. That's why small groups are so important. That's why getting involved and being a part of something is so important because that is what helps you connect to God as well, those people around you. You know, and we can blame others for the lives we live and the things that happen to us. Well, that's their fault. Or we can actually get alongside them and allow God to iron out the details of our lives through those relationships, which at times may be difficult, but are the one thing that helps us to grow and become more like him. Together we grow. Together we change. Together we learn the best and the worst of ourselves. But we also learn that we're loved. I believe that when we connect with God and with his community, then we're charged up with wisdom and with revelation. So the first thing God wants to do this morning is for you to be connected. Let's look at the second part of those verses. It says, having the eyes of your heart enlightened. Be awakened this morning. You know, the Greek for enlightened is photizo which means shed rays of light, brighten up, illuminate, and make you see. I'm going to read it again because I like it. Shed rays of light, brighten up, illuminate, and make you see. God wants the eyes of your heart enlightened. God wants to illuminate you. God wants you to see in a way that you've never seen before. And God wants to brighten you up. Anyone need brightening up? 
I think most of us do most days, don't we? So if God shines his light into us, then it will brighten us up. And suddenly, our dull and boring world, our difficult situation, our hard relationship, our work situation, our finances, our mental health, which is pressing us down and making us think, I am never going to escape this pit, suddenly becomes enlightened. And we see that there is hope and there is a way forward. God wants to awaken you from the darkness that surrounds you. So suddenly you realize the darkness is light because Jesus is shining into you. Amen. (laughs) Ephesus was known as the light of Asia, ironically. And it was known as that in the ancient world because it was so enlightened. It was enlightened because they had progressive thinking and it was enlightened because they had a lot of modern ideas. So it was an up-and-coming city. It was the place to go and have conversations about things. But I believe Paul writes this to the Ephesian church to say, there is something different. You can be enlightened with all your reading and with all your thinking and with everything that you think you know and with all your education and all these wonderful things. Wow, you're so enlightened. You can be enlightened with, with your modern ideas and your iPhone 13 and whatever else that you have that I don't know because I don't own anything like that and my children tell me I'm old because I can't use my phone. But besides this, does anyone else like just take screenshots by accident? It's like they convinced me to have an iPhone and I've just suddenly aged 20 years because I'm like... And then you have to do, I've told you this before, you have to do this face thing, face recognition. I'm not quite sure where I had it when I did the original thing, but nowhere seems to work. Grace and Olivia are just like, and it works, and I'm like this with mine. Oh, got it. And then in the end, I just, I'll just put the number in. I don't know why I told you that. No modern ideas, there you go. Some modern ideas somebody has about face recognition. My face must change every day. (laughs) But you can know, we can have so many ideas of our own. And yet actually God wants to enlighten you in a way that nothing else can. There is no book that you can read or technology that you can own that can enlighten your heart the way the relationship with Jesus Christ can break you open and breathe something new and fresh in you so that suddenly your life comes alive, your hope is revived and everything that you thought was just suddenly becomes God can and is changing my life. You know this morning, if you don't know Jesus, if you've got questions about how it all works, or you're confused about your faith, God wants to awaken you. God wants to enlighten your heart so that all the things that have held you down and made you think a certain way are actually broken free because the light of who he is shines in you. Be awakened. You know, there are so many things that can cause slumber in our lives. Apathy. Not seeing God's will and purpose for us. Closing our eyes to sin and injustice. Ignoring the bigger picture of God's plan. Ignoring the truth 
of how he wants us to live our lives and how, how that fits with God. All of those things can cause us to slumber because we don't want to know the truth. We don't want to be awakened. I want to sit in this actually. I don't want anything else. I don't want there to be light in this part of my life. You know, I found the best way to wake teenagers up. Well, two, maybe three. The dog works because they don't shout at her. The curtains work, but only in the summertime because in the wintertime it's dark. So that's a pointless exercise. But the curtains and letting the light in, winning. In the winter, this one's really evil. Turn the light on. Time to get up. But then the issue with that is the bed covers. Ooh, is what you get. And that's just Paul. You gain it today, aren't you? It's good you have your not preaching next week. <laughs> oh, no. But that is the best way to wake a teenage child up. Turn the light on. But sometimes we need to pull back those covers as well. Sometimes we pull over ourselves the covers of apathy. We pull over ourselves, oh, I don't want to get out of this mess that I'm in, actually, because even though it's a mess, it's comfortable. It's like a nappy with poo in it. It is, though, really. Because if you're honest, those of you who have dealt with a nappy with poo in it, if you haven't, this is a good exercise to any parent would like help changing one of those. But a child, they want you to change their nappy because there's poo in it. But really, when it comes to it and you open it and the cold comes in, let's be honest, that's not pleasant, cold on your bum, but then a wet wipe comes in, this is a whole other level of evil. And it's just, yeah, whatever. But it's not pleasant. So sometimes it's easier to sit in the poo. Because really the poo is warm. Generally you don't mind your own smell, for the most part. So it's easier to just sit in it. But God wants to freshen you up, clean you out, and say, take the covers of mess off your life and allow me to enlighten you by my spirit, with my love, with my hope, and with new life and new nappies. Be awakened. Stop slumbering in your mess. Stop slumbering in your apathy and allow God to do something new in your life. Stop falling back to sleep. God wants to awaken you. Let's just stop. Because I believe this morning that God, there are people in here who need awakening. And I want to pray for you. So if this is you, stick your hand in the air. And I'm going to pray that God will awaken you this morning. You're too tired to even put your hand up, aren't you? Come on. Come on. God wants to awaken us this morning. I'm not saying you're all sitting in a poo nappy, but God wants to awaken you. Father God, I thank you that you are the God of enlightenment. Not enlightenment like the world sees it, but enlightenment that brings new life, enlightenment that brings new hope, enlightenment that brings light to our dark lives. And God, I pray this morning, God, that you would awaken us. God, that you would awaken us to your love. God, that you would awaken us to your calling. But God, that you would awaken us from where we are in the mess that we sit in into new life and new hope. God, I pray that you release us from the bondage of those covers we keep pulling back over ourselves, God, and that we would be set free to live our lives, to live out our calling and to stand up and be awakened with you. In Jesus' name, amen.
This week, I want you to keep saying, God, awaken me. Every morning, God, awaken me from where I've been. Every day, say, God, awaken me. So be connected. Be awakened. The next thing it says is that we know the hope of his calling and the glorious inheritance of the saints. You know, there are lots of things that call to us. And they can be good and they can be bad. People, emotions, desires, they call to us. Prayer and fasting, chocolate is calling to me. It's calling me. Yesterday it nearly got the better of me. We've still got all our Christmas chocolate on the side and it just keeps shouting at me, Sarah, you must eat me. I'm going to go out a date. And I'm just like, just, just stop. But life can be like that sometimes. Relationships that aren't good for us, call to us. Come on. Things in our life that aren't good for us, call to us. Come on. No one will see. No one will know. Just one more. Just one more time. They call to us. And you know, calls come from somewhere else than where we are. We have to understand this. Grace and Olivia, when they want something, generally do this. I've learned something really important. Don't go on the first call. Because actually, sometimes, they don't actually want anything, and I can deal with it from where I am. So I've found the benefit of going, what do you want? And generally, I've learned the hard way, they don't want anything that would involve me running up the stairs and seeing what they want. And they have much younger legs and can come down the stairs. But a call comes from somewhere else. Sometimes a call comes from a place that you've never been but wants to take you there. How many people get those phone calls and they say, oh, I understand you've been in an accident. Was it, was it a prophetic phone call? I, what? I've been in an accident. Who's told you that? But then they keep telling me I've been in an accident, so then I'm not sure. Maybe I was. <laughs> was I, did, I, did, I, did I do something? Well, well, when, when was it? I don't know, was I? These calls can come into our lives, and sometimes they can be a complete distraction like my kids shouting me. Or there can be somebody trying to take us somewhere where we've never been. We should never go, but we still spend time listening to them and doing it. We've got to block those calls from our lives. We've got to block them. We need to distinguish between the call of God and other things that are calling to us. We need to learn to hear his voice. John 10, 27 says, Jesus says, my sheep hear my voice. My sheep know my voice. And how do we get to know the voice of Jesus? Spend time with him. Number one, be connected. Spend time with him. Read the Bible. Listen to him. But it's still the call. It's his call that breaks the chains. It's his call that calls you from where you are to where he wants you to be. And it's to take you somewhere you've never been before. But very often we feel like we can't go to these places because we're stuck. Well, I'm stuck where I am. 
And God's calling us. He's calling us over there, but I'm stuck. I, I, I don't know how to move. I don't know how to get there. And it says there's a hope of the calling, the inheritance of the saints. And it's over there and he's calling me to it, but I feel like I'm stuck here and I don't know how to get there. And I've got all these other things calling to me, distracting me. And yet I know Jesus is calling me out. But I don't know what to do. He's calling you. He's calling you beyond where you are. You know, going back to that story at the beginning with Pierre Peter Thomas. In 2014, the Journal of Neurophysiology put a report out that said seven months after surgery on eyes by people who couldn't see. So they've had surgery on their eyes, they couldn't see. And still, seven months after the surgery, their brain is favouring an audio-driven response. So basically, their brain is telling them to listen to what they hear above what they see. Because that's what they've always known. That's what they've always understood. That's what they've always been led by. But God is calling us to be led a different way. God is calling us to be led by a different thing. So how do we change that? How do we change how we see things? How do we change how we hear things? How do we change that? We come in line with the chain breaker. And the chain breaker is Jesus. And he wants to break the chains of your past. He wants to break the chains of fear. He wants to break the chains of expectation over your life. He wants to break the chains of the calls that you've responded to in the past that you feel that you're still connected to. He wants to set you free so that you can hear his call and be a chain breaker as you go and help those alongside you. It is hope that calls us to a more spacious place, to a freer place. Christopher Reeve said this, once you choose hope, everything is possible. You know, and once chains are broken in our lives, then we believe for immeasurably more. In Ephesians 3.20 it says this, now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than we all than we ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us the message version says far more the ESV like we've just more abundantly that was the NIV I read before the amplified I like this one says super abundantly God wants to do super abundantly more than you think he can, than you think is possible, than you've ever seen in your life and circumstances. He wants to do super abundantly above and beyond all of those things. But he can only do those things as you allow him to break the chains in your life, as you wake yourself up and as you follow the call that he is taking you on and your vision is set on him. You know, very often in life, we'll do things like, well, I'll plan for the worst and hope for the best. And then we're covered all the way around, aren't we? It limits our faith. God wants to grow your faith so that you believe, 
I can move from where I am to somewhere new. I can overcome. I can be awakened and it happen every day apart from when I'm at church surrounded by people. I can see breakthrough in my relationships. I can break free from where my mental health has quashed me all these years. I can see financial breakthrough. I can see that actually I no longer have to stay here but God is calling me out and beyond. There is immeasurably, superabundantly more, far more. There is more than enough for you and him. And he wants to show you that. That is the vision that he has for your life and he wants you to see it. That there is far more, immeasurably more, abundantly more and superabundantly more. He is the God of generosity. And when we begin to live seeing his generosity then wow we live differently don't you live differently when your wages come in than at the end of the month when you realise whoops I spent them all in the first week we do don't we because we're like oh I'll be generous now my wages are coming Costa, let's go there let's do that but not all you people who are more sensible with your money and budget I suppose but there you go but we do we live differently when we feel generous when we know there's something there, when there is more than enough, we live differently. There is more than enough. You can live differently. I know when my girls were growing up, and even now I'll say to them, shall we just say a little prayer? Does anyone else say that to their kids? Let's just say a little prayer. Let's just say a little prayer together. He is the God of the universe. He is the God of more than enough. He is super abundantly charged to fulfill all of your needs. And we say a little prayer. <laughs> say a little prayer to little God. I don't know why we do it. It's just because it sounds nice with the kids, isn't it? But sometimes I think we can limit God in our own minds. Well, I'll just say a prayer and hopefully God might hear it. No, God loves you. Be connected. God wants to awaken you. God wants to break the chains. He is there and he wants to move and work in your life. It may be a little prayer, but he is certainly not a little God. He wants you to see him more. That he is greater and that he is above. He wants to set you free and break your chains. And he wants to awaken you like you've never been awakened before. We're going to pray. You know, in this morning, if you think, I want some of that. I'd, I've, never, I've never actually said to Jesus, I want to walk with you. This morning, if that's you, we're going to just pray. I just want you to pray with me, whether you're in the building or online. Jesus, I thank you that you died on the cross. I thank you that you came to forgive my sins. I thank you that you want to connect with me. I want to connect with you for the first time. Help me, Jesus, to know you. Help me to be awakened. Set me free from the things that have held me. And help me to know that there is more for me in you. Jesus, come into my life. Amen. Come on, let's just stand and I just want to pray again. You know, if you prayed that prayer this morning, whether it's online or in the building, if you prayed it in the building, come down to the front and speak to one of us. If you prayed it online, there's a link that you can click. We want to stand with you and journey with you.
I want to pray Ephesians 1 over us this morning. Father God, God, I thank you that you are with us. I thank you that your heart is to connect with us. Help us connect with you. I thank you that you want to awaken us. Help us to be awake and hear your voice. God, I thank you that you are a chain breaker. Break the chains over my life. We thank the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory. May he give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. May the eyes of your heart be enlightened. May you know the hope to which he has called you and the riches of his glorious inheritance for you, his saints. May you know that there is immeasurably, immeasurably, superabundantly, far more greatness in his power towards us who believe according to the work of your great might. God, I thank you that you fetch us from wherever we are. I thank you that there is no shadow in our lives that you can't light up when you enlighten us. I thank you that there is nowhere that you won't go to reach us. That there is no chain that can hold us. That there is no mountain too high for you to climb. God, I thank you that your reckless love sent Jesus to die on the cross and that because of him we have freedom in you. God, I thank you that there is light in you for our dark places. I thank you that there are lies that you want to kick down this morning to set us free. God, so that we may follow your calling and see your vision for our lives. God, I thank you for your goodness.